uh, it's so good to be with you. What we're doing in this series, just to remind you, is to show you how the advent of Christ changed everything. Rather than just go over the story, which we will, I'm sure, several times during the season, which many of you uh, won't start till after Thanksgiving because you don't really like Jesus that much. So um, it, we normally you do Advent in December, and I get that. I really do. But because we wanted to look at how the coming of Jesus, the Advent, changed everything, we thought we might need a bit more time. And we're using the parables for this. And because they are parables, that's a story, there are going to be a lot of stories woven in here. So if you find yourself in the middle of a story here and you're wondering, how does that apply? Hang in there. Because we're going to start at a strange place. Back in the early 70s, when I was back in shrink school uh, to become, you know, one of the shrink wrappers of all time, uh, back, back during uh, that period, I went to um, examine a phenomena that was going on in the early 70s, which was this amazing just eruption of interest in the martial arts. So you had Kung Fu on TV, uh, where you had a man uh, speaking a piece before he hit you. And then you had, um, you, you had all kinds of movies, uh, badly dubbed, coming in from Asia. Uh, it, was, it was a real big deal. So I wanted to have a look at some of this, and so I went to observe. It wasn't what I thought. Uh, the first movements and such that I saw, in fact, the first two or three times I went, I was getting a bit bored because it looked like a really poorly done dance with a lot of yelling. Uh, and what I was watching, I would later find out, they called kata, which means form. And they would do a punch this way, then they'd do a block this way, then they'd do, I'm not going to demonstrate. Then they'd do a kick over here. And I'm going, well, why? What's the point of this unless it's just an exercise to make sure you know how to do that sort of thing? I found out whenever they engaged in the combat sections, the kumite, because most of the time when you throw that punch, you're going to need to do this next, and then you're going to do this. It was building muscle memory so that they could apply what they'd been taught if they ever got attacked by somebody else who fought in exactly the same style. That's the downside of karate, frankly. Um, if you can have a black belt in karate and the other guy have a crowbar. You know, it's... Um, <laughs> <clears throat> it's, it's pretty much anybody's bet at this stage. Well then, moving on from that, I saw recently on Facebook one of our uh, counties in Tennessee was changing the uniform for the deputy sheriffs. And it's a change actually I thoroughly approve of. I work with a lot of law enforcement at every level across the U.S. and Canada. And so yeah, I saw they're moving the vest to outside the uniform and the pockets and the load bear it's going to be a load bearing vest which if you're in the military you know what that means it's going to have a lot of gear on it not so much around your belt but on the vest this is a really good move for a lot of reasons but that's not why i bring it up when i saw that i immediately reached out to a couple of my friends and said what's the training program because you're going to have to retrain everything you're going to have to act like they'd never had a vest on before why? When someone's shooting at you, that's not when you go, where did I put that? <sighs> or some, somebody's all wrapped up in the car and you've got to get a knife out or you've got to get something. You've got to know where everything is. You've got to know where it is without looking. You have to know where it is without thinking. And I found out they, they are instigating a very thorough training thing. Great. Why? Muscle memory. You see, life is chess. It's not checkers. 
you have to be thinking four and five moves ahead. If all you do is act, react, act, react, you're just a pinball. You're not a person. You have to know what your plan is and have a plan for the plan and a plan for that plan. And that's why, for example, if you're uh, being trained in the, the Marine Corps, uh, they yell at you constantly. I've, I've even shown videos to people and they're going, what, why, what, why? And I'm going, yes, the person did it perfectly right. And yes, they're going to be told they are worthless and did it personally terrible. And they're going to be yelled at and made to do it again and shamed. Why? Well, for the same reason to make him go out and do push-ups in a sand pit, which is awful. It is full of everything else that's ever been in a sand pit. Until you're hot and sweaty, then they make you roll around in it. They call it that a sugar cookie. And you have to stand up, and you can't touch, you can't scratch, you, and they, they abuse you. Why? Because one of these days, you're going to be in a situation where there is no justice. There is no peace. All hell is coming down on everything. And you have to be the one guy that actually knows how to deal with that. And go, cool, I'm in charge of my own feelings. I know how to handle this. I can be yelled at and know exactly what to do. All of that is important because of a couple of very strange parables. Actually, it's just one, but we're going to read it in two different pieces here. God wants us to have spiritual muscle memory. That no matter what happens, because Jesus happened, our response has changed. We have learned how to respond. No matter what anybody says to us, no matter how they treat us, no matter what injustice is heaped upon us, we have a way of responding which is different because Jesus came. We are a different people. This is the big clue here. Inside. We did the training inside so that the actions outside are appropriate to a person who believes that Jesus came and that Jesus is Lord. I have a friend. We went to a shooting range once and he was one of my, my elders there in Rochester uh, up in Michigan and he said, uh, we were fine. He said, do you, do you know how to take that apart and put it back together real fast? I went, nope. He says, he was a little disappointed in me, frankly. Uh, I can always tell when an elder is disappointed in me. And he was. He was disappointed. And he said, why not? And I said, because I've never needed to. I, he, he, would, he had served in Vietnam. I said, paper targets rarely rally and attack. <laughs> That's something you needed to know. I didn't need to know. Well, why did they have to learn how to do it? Because guns were jammed at the worst possible time. And you have to be able to fix it without looking. And that's, okay, cool. Your heart can jam at the wrong time. Your mouth can jam at the wrong Sadly, sometimes your mouth doesn't jam when it should. And that's a problem. So look now with all of that background, and that's really important, and I'm sorry if that was made you wonder, well, isn't this a Christian thing? Why are we talking about hurting folk? We're gonna apply it to helping folk, all right? It's the same concept. You have to train the inside. Look at this out of Mark 7, and then we're going to go directly to Matthew 15. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him. That's kind of going, all right, huddle up. <laughs> Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. This seems to be kind of important to Jesus, does it not? So let's listen. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. It's rather shocking. We'll deal with this in a bit. Remember, they had, they'd grown up with Leviticus and Deuteronomy where you are made unclean by all of these outside things. He's going, nope, I'm here. Jesus is here. Everything changes. 
Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it's what comes out of a person that defiles them. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. It's a Jewish Semitic stay, uh, saying. It's also found in the Arabic and Persian populations. It's always, listen up, buddy. You better get this. After he left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull? Okay, um, that's, that's not normally the response we would have expected. It always amazes me when people don't like what you're doing and they'll try to play the Jesus card. That's not very Christ-like. I said, have you met him? Don't, no, he is full of love, grace, peace, mercy. I'm not, I'm, I would never tap that down. But remember that we're not, gonna, we're not on earth to try to out-Jesus Jesus. Let's be human. He goes, are you so dull? Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside, outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach and then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. By the way, that one phrase probably wasn't written in Mark. It was probably one of those margin things that moved in. That's fine. It's good. Because it's, it's correct. He went on, what comes out of a person's what defiles them? And he is using body things to illustrate spiritual things here, but we're not going to go into all of that. You can just, you know, it's from within. Out of a person's heart that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All of these evils come from inside and defile a person right into Matthew. Jesus called the crowd to him. This will look very familiar. It's the same story, slightly told a different way. Listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth that's what defiles them. Then the disciples came to him and asked, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? <laughs> I get that a lot. People say, you know you said this, and are you aware that person was offended? First of all, I offend a lot of people without meaning to, and it was hurtful and wrong, and I apologize. I'm, I'm really good at apologies because I've practiced. I've needed to be. But there are other times that people are offended by something that they needed to hear. I, am, I can't apologize for that. My wife's brother was a, a firefighter in the Houston area for years. Let's say that she and I were caught in a fire in the Houston area, and, and the smokes there were down the floor, we're panicking, we don't know what to do. We weren't trained. You stop, drop, and roll is all I know, and that doesn't really get you out of the house. So I'm, I'm down there, and, and we see, you know, here he comes in with the respirator and the like, and he goes, you know, Patrick, you know, they don't rush in Texas. They, they mosey. Uh, but they, they got in, and they say, Patrick and, uh, and Cammy, follow me. I know the way out. And I look at him and go, well, that's rather offensive to act like there's only one way. I'm going to die. I need to hear. I need to follow. I need to do. So, I love it. it just, it's such a human moment when the apostles go, Jesus, you were a little offensive. He replied, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They're blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, they'll both fall into a pit. Oof. Jesus, you know, again, you might want to review that with your um, the holding the lamb and a shining bet. Uh, Jesus was human and God, and we need to make him stay human and God. Let's not make him a cartoon. Jesus said, uh, Peter said, explain the parable to us. Are you still so dull? Jesus asked them. 
Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth and goes to the stomach and then out to the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. And those defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts. Here we go again. Murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. But eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. Now, our kids are away to class. Normally, this is where I would have to stop and tell the kids, when your mommy and daddy tells you to wash your hands, there's real good reasons for it. It's not spiritual, it's, it's protective. Wash your hands. This was, he was dealing with a pharisaical tradition. I'm not even going to go into it. We don't even need to talk about it. What we want to talk about is how shocking this was. Because Deuteronomy, Leviticus, a lot of Exodus are saying, don't touch this. Don't eat this. Don't look at that. Don't be around this person. And now Jesus comes and he says, that was to keep you alive. That was to keep you alive and cohesive together. And now I'm here. Let me tell you what's changed. I want to stress something here. I've been taught in my life error. I want to make sure you understand it was error before I say it, all right? And that is the Jews were here to, to, to be God's chosen people until Jesus was born, and now they're not. Let's be really careful. All people are God's chosen people. Jesus was to bring the rest of us in, not to kick the Jews out. So let's be really careful. Another error, and I know Dr. Lemons would amen me on this. In the, I was told in the Old Testament it was all works. It was all works, 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 law, law, law. New Testament is grace. It's not true, is it? There's grace all over the Old Testament. It is full of grace. God didn't change being graceful. What he did was he changed. He didn't change the plan. The plan entered its second section. Now, we take what God gave the Jews and we're giving it to everybody. So the behavior's got to change. Before, you had to keep to your group. This time, you have to bring more people into the group. You have to tell them they're already in. Just come and walk with Jesus. There's so much here. Yes, it offended the religious people of the day, and they hated it. Why? Because they thought they were good already. Because they did good stuff outside. They checked all the boxes. They prayed. They fasted. They kept the Sabbath. Uh, they, they read the law. They thought, we're good. We, we're done. Jesus goes, no. I need you to be holy inside. You're so concerned about the outside. I need you clean inside. And this is where it really hurts. Because it's so much easier to be clean outside. Oh my goodness. When I was growing up, we had sermons all the time on baptism and the kind of music God wants. That was even the title of a brochure that we had in the foyer. Do you remember that one? kind of music God wants. I'm going, what? It's nice of him to tell us. And so it was in there. Uh, he'd written a brochure just for us. But there was a, you know, we have to do this certain way. We have to, and the thing is, all of us in the room were already singing like that and been baptized. But we felt like we had to do the sacred motions outside and say the sacred words in just the right way to please God. God forbid anybody ever start serving the Lord's Supper backwards. Starting with the cup. Have you ever seen that one? Oh my goodness. I've seen that in our church where somebody just got a little confused, you know. And so they said the prayer and 
they're, they're trying to hand the trays to the other men standing there, uh, and the other guy's going, The other one, it, it was, and I'm just there going, how long is this going to take? You know, um, and, and it's not this guy's fault. He read Luke because Luke starts with the cup. And uh, people don't bring that up because we don't read that. But Luke went uh, cup, bread, cup. So we don't do that. Anyway, uh, I, I've seen people just going, no, 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 share the bread first. Oh, sorry, God. And then they pray for the bread. And then they come back and pray for the cup again. Why? It has to be done in a righteous order. Now, it sounds like I'm making fun of this. I'm actually laughing with them because I was part of all of this. And we did it not to be silly. We didn't do it to be legalistic. We did it because we thought that's what God wanted. And the Pharisees are doing what they do, not because they want to be awful people, but because they think doing this is what God requires. And Jesus goes, no, you missed the point. Being clean outside was to, as a sign, you're to be clean inside. You are to be clean in here. Your spiritual muscle memory needs to be that of a clean person, a holy person. Remember the point. The religious people of the day had invested everything they had and everything they were into outward law. That's not what God asked for. They even tithed. Now, tithe, if you're not a church person, that means to give 10%. And they would even tithe. Uh, they didn't just do 10% of their money back then, by the way. They gave 10% of, of the goods and the like, uh, uh, increase and all the other. Jesus said they even tithe seeds. Now, he was probably kidding. Because I'm not sure how one could do that and survive. You know, <laughs> I'll be right with you. We're going to do the cows next. They're easier. You know, I, I, I think he was being, uh, you would do it by weight or something. He was doing that just to say, listen, you guys are good at keeping the external. You are serious about the external. But you forget why we tithe. We tithe not because God needs money, but because the widows do. The poor do. The orphans do. And they come to us and we can help them. I love being a part of a church where Frank Town Open Hearts and Grace Works and the like is. And it's just amazing. I've had people look at me and say, wow, what a change from when you guys were in Detroit because you don't have any poor people in Franklin. I'm going, yeah, you do. You just have to look for them. And yes, that has actually been said to me, and some of you were witnesses when it did. Jesus corrects them bluntly. Take a look, and this is in a pretty hard section, and Matthew 23 Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. So he didn't go to the Pharisees and go, listen, I may have hurt some feelings. I'd like to smooth this. No, he said, whoa, you guys need to start weeping over this. Teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. The word hypocrite was a Greek word at the time, which meant a, an actor in a play. They just, they put on another face. Because back then, you sat far away from them. And so to show you if they were happy or sad, they put on different faces. So... You're wearing a false face. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law. And look at them, they're internal. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. In other words, he's not dismissing the law and saying the law is bad. He doesn't. He's saying doing that's good, but you forgot the point of it. You forgot the whole point of doing it. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat but swallow a camel. By the way, the entire, that's a knee slapper. 
uh, to the Jews. They would have been laughing out loud, having a great time. Uh, we don't get it because we don't talk. Well, also because we, we holy up everything that's said to the point where it has no application anymore. Jesus is going, come on, guys. What are you doing here? I'm going to give you a couple of really awful stories. Um, just to illustrate this. I was uh, across in America going to, to university, and the little church on the weekends had me speak. And I got a call from one of the women there that, um, uh, to help her. She was in a panic. Her husband just gotten paid, but she, he hadn't come home, and she knew he was going to spend it all at the bar. And she asked me to go get him. I'd never been in the bar before. I've been told not to do that. So um, I went and found him. I go in, I talk to him. I said, your, your wife's looking for you. And I, so I just walked out. I didn't know what else to do. You know, I'm not, I, I don't want to wrestle him to the ground because one, I can't. Number two, police come. They're going to know one of you doesn't talk like a, a local. So I, I went back, found out later he'd been found in a hotel room with a woman. I, it was all of this awful. Here's the worst bit. By far the worst bit. A week later, in our little church, he was waiting on the table, the Lord's table. Afterwards, I went, we didn't have any elders. I went to the men that really ran it. And I said, what? What are you doing? And they climbed all over me. They said, he's a faithful member. He sends and such, but he's a faithful member. Well, by a faithful member, what they meant was he did all the actions right on Sunday. And he said all the right things about faith on Sunday. And I'm sorry, that's not enough. That is not what we're going for. What about a, a, another one? We, we were in Scotland for quite some time. Came back. Cammie and I moved to Ohio because we hadn't really given it much thought. And as we were there, um, and, and it was lovely, nice people. We found out after nine years we were free to go, so we did. Uh, we, but we were at a church there, lovely church, absolutely wonderful church. One of the men in the church was on full disability. I didn't know what that was. It had to be explained to me in America what that is. Well, he can't work. Well, he re-roofed houses with his son. But he was receiving a full benefit. And, and I went to the elders. They did, and I said, why isn't this challenged? And they were going, well, again, he's a faithful member. You cannot be a faithful member of a church that bears Jesus' name because you do some nice outside actions that we all approve of. It has to be the heart. Do you love? Do you offer grace? Do you also offer mercy and peace to others? What is your spiritual muscle memory? What are you training for? This is a passion of mine because I didn't used to believe that. I used to believe the outer was what God wanted. I enforced the outer. And I, myself, was a moral mess. And I, my members were a moral mess. And I kept, so what, what do you do? You enforce the outer harder. And it doesn't work. And you have to pull back and say, what have I missed? And you look and you see, what did we miss? We missed Advent. Jesus came, everything changes now. And that includes especially your heart. Your entire attitude toward human beings is to change Old stories told, um, it's actually told by a preacher friend of mine, and I think it's probably true because he didn't tend to tell preacher stories. But he was baptizing in a creek when somebody wanted to join and be baptized in a creek too, and they, they waited in halfway out. I'm going to call him John. I don't know what the name was. His wife called him and said, John, 
you've got your wallet, your billfold, whatever they call it. And, and he's, 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 he hesitated, started to go back to shore, and he goes, well, I figure it needs baptized too. Cool. I get that. I do. And in fact, I would even agree. I think our finances need to be baptized. Can I go so far as to say I think our politics need to be? So we're not branded by the world, this group, that group, that group, this group, and whatever my group says is right. No, no. Let the world play checkers, reacting against everything. We're playing chess. We've already decided moves ahead of time who we belong to, and it's not a person, and we don't have a king in Washington, D.C., or a queen in London. We have a God in heaven. Our politics are baptized. Everything, so we're going to annoy everybody. That's all right. Salt and light does that. If we don't do that, if we are just good people, and I don't like people doing air quotes, but I'm doing them. Good people. You might as well be a Buddhist or a follower of Confucius. Because all those religions are about is being at peace with yourself and being a good person in the community. With no overwhelming deity to bow, to bow down before. Buddhists don't have a chief god. Uh, Confucius didn't have a chief god. The whole concept is, let us just be good in community. I want you to be good in community. I want you to be moral and kind in community. But that's not what God called us to be alone. He called us to be righteous. And sometimes, that's going to require some spiritual training on our part. Our gatherings are not here to make us comfortable. I've had people in my life say, well, you know, I'm not getting fed in worship service. Well, good, because that's not what we do. In worship, you get fed by reading the word, walking with God, walking in community with Christians. That's how you get fed. Here is where everything that went in as you fed overflows into worship. And we sing. And you guys are good at that. You really are. If those people in the back, you have no idea what you're missing. Because we design churches where only the people up front really enjoy the process. So you need to move a little further down. Seriously, I'll start hearing the song, and Mark will tell you this is the way acoustics work. I'll start hearing the song, and I'm going, wow, it's good. By the time I get to the back, I'm going, anybody singing? This should be an overflow, and it is. When I hear you guys sing, it touches my life. If you don't really see the point of the gathering, you're the one that needs to gather. You need to be here and see what worship is. You need to hear it. You need to hear the prayers. Here, it becomes easy to check ourselves. We're singing some really cool stuff. Does our life match it? I will cherish the old rugged cross. Prove it. Till my trophies at last, prove it. Or, you are beautiful, you are beautiful. Is that, how do we know? Now here's where I'm going to go right to James, Jesus' brother. And I've, I'm going to step in for James. Because James said, you say you believe. Wonderful. Show me your faith by your works. Because faith without works is dead, he says. We're not saved by works. No. We're saved by faith through grace. And that not of ourselves. It is a gift. But our grace shows you know, I love my wife. I hope that shows every single time you see us together and every single time you see us apart. Because it should show. You know, the old story about the woman looking at her husband, gee, I love me. And she's going, he's going, oh, go away, woman. Because they're always Scottish in my story. 
So no, no, no do you love me? And she goes, oh, woman, I told you 30 years ago when we got married, I love you. If I change my mind, I'll let you know. That's not good. That's not acceptable. And yet we have Christians where I was baptized 40 years ago and I've been a member of this church for 40. I'm sorry, that gives you no standing. That gives you obligation. That does not give you prestige and power. That gives you duty to serve and love. Spiritual training. It is so hard. We've got to live our lives so concerned about God's reputation that we would never say or do anything to harm his reputation in the world. Can we be really hard, say something very hard? I think it's probably true universally, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna act like it is. I believe all of us have been d deeply hurt by Christians. Have we not? I think all of us at one time or another were treated better by the world than we were treated by our own brothers and sisters in Christ. Tell me, how did that affect you? Didn't it hurt? Shocking. It was upsetting. You know, Lauren and Evan do such an amazing job. I can tell you right now, every youth group I ever had as I was going in, where I actually had to be, you know, uh, working with them, or like we didn't have people of this caliber to help us. One of the worst things that could possibly happen is if one of them start to date the other one. Oh, no. Because then there's going to be the breakups and the alliances and they all, it's just, it's awful. We need to learn a way to live with each other in love. And that's going to take training. So that means you're going to have to learn how to love when they yell at you. Learn how to love whenever you're, you're being mistreated. And not change because this is who you are. This is what you trained to be. The overflow of our hearts. I've heard some interesting language. Followed by the, oh, I'm so sorry, that just slipped out. Fair enough. No, seriously, fair enough. You cannot insulate yourself 100% from the world, and some of the world stuff gets in. But the fact is, it can't slip out unless it first slipped in. Let's put up as many barriers as possible. I used to love listening to comedy. I even got XM Radio back when it was first out there, because I, I could listen to the comedy channels. I don't have it anymore. I've, I almost avoid comedy because it's not funny anymore it's attacking it's angry and it's full of f-words and i'm sorry but that quit being funny before i was born you know that's it's not funny it doesn't show wit i don't want it in me so i keep it away from me and i feel the loss of it because i enjoy laughing i really do but i had to pull back because it was going to change my attitude eventually there's nobody in the world strong enough that we'll be able to take it and say, well, that doesn't affect me. Yeah, it does. So put up some guards, do some training. And guys, by the way, I want to talk to you real quick. You say something harsh and cruel to your wife, your girlfriend or your daughter, and then say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't really mean it. I was just angry. That's not good enough. You don't have the right to speak that way. You need to pull back. And you can get over that sort of thing quickly, but they're going to remember it because God made them with a mind to remember it, to be concerned about this. You can lose a lot of trust like that. And by the way, none, no, the woman didn't make you do anything. You had a choice. I've told you this story so many times, but as we get close to my end here, don't get too excited, but it is, it's with insight. If you squint a bit, stand on your toes. I've told the story many times about a lady 
who has no idea the effect she had on my life. Because our interaction only took place, it couldn't have been three seconds. And it was decades ago, at least 20 years ago, we were cross-visiting Scotland in the Highland, uh, the capital of the Highlands in Furness. And uh, I found a place to park, and we were very excited. It's not easy done. And I threw open my door. You drive on this side. I threw open my door and nearly knocked a woman off the pavement. We didn't actually make contact, but she, it was very um, impressive. Uh, the NFL should have called her. She leapt to the side, and I went, oh, I'm so sorry. And before I could even say I'm so sorry, she said, Jesus loves you, and walked on. And I'm going... I know that's, that's my line. Uh, I, I work for him when I'm not knocking women off pavements. Uh, it's what impressed me about that woman and impresses me about that woman today, and I want to grow up to be that woman, is something was coming at her. It was entirely 100% not her fault. And her first reaction was to tell me Jesus loved me. By the way, that is not the same as in the South when they go, bless your heart. I know what you're doing. <laughs> I am on to you. Her first, and I am still in awe of that woman. I don't know if she was an angel unaware. I don't know what her background was, but she showed me something on that day. We need to train you need to train every bit as much as a law enforcement officer or a military person with a new load-bearing vest. We need to train every time we go out and we see or we're hurt or we're being mistreated or whatever. You need to train. Plan to love before you even leave your house. Plan to be people of grace before you even get out of bed in the morning. Plan to assume the best. It amazes me how quickly we are offended. Just, oh, they said that, that's a thing. Well, why don't we just assume they didn't mean to hurt your feelings and move on? Let's just assume the best. Let's move on. Let's act like people that are going to win. Because we're going to go to heaven, right? You might as well start being there now and spreading it. And when people give you hell, give them heaven. Matthew 15. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out to the body, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. And these defile them. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, thefts, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. Eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. Chase Bank likes to run a commercial saying, what's in your wallet? Because they'd really like to know Mark, would you bring up your team? God doesn't ask what's in your wallet. He asks what's in your heart. And then says, show me. The old hymn, have thine affections been nailed to the cross? Is thy heart right with God? Let's see where your affections lie. Let's see where your heart truly is. Would you stand, please? Advent changed everything. Sure, tick the boxes. Come and sing and pray in the Lord's Supper. You've got to. God called us to the community. But who we are should go with us everywhere, especially outside of these walls. May your hearts overflow with the love, the grace, the peace, and yes, even the mystery of Christ.